Hello, everyone. I am your host, Tosh, and this is Women in Games International Cheat Codes Podcast. With me today, I have Kate Rayner, who's not only Vice President, Technical Director at the Coalition, but she's also one of Wiggy's very own board members. So today we're going to talk a little bit about identity in gaming. And I think that's really important, especially for Pride Month, because so much of this is about identity and visibility. And there are two sides to this coin. Either we feel more like ourselves through our avatar, or we long to see ourselves represented. How do you see yourself in the world? How do you find yourself represented? Are you represented often? Those are questions that we hope to kind of bring to your mind tonight. So if you have any questions, please, please feel free to drop them in here and we'll answer them towards the end of the stream. So welcome, Kate, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. It's so great to be here, uh, Tash. So thank you so much for having me on the thank podcast. You. Thank you so much. Is yeah. there any, anything that you would like to people to know about you before we start this, this podcast? Um, well, um, Gee, what, what can I say? Um, I've, been, I've been in uh, the games industry for a long time. <laughs> I've been with Microsoft for 10 years, Electronic Arts for uh, you know, 15 years. Uh, don't add it all up, but I'm, I'm, I've been doing it for much longer than I, I, I like to kind of admit because it kind of dates me. But you know, I would just say that um, um, you know, this is my passion, sort of making video games. It always has been. And it's a big part of my journey, both in terms of identity, but also in terms of being able to create kind of virtual worlds where you can, you can really be anything that, that you want to be. So I think the theme for the podcast today is, is just perfect. Do you remember the first game you ever played? What was the first thing where you were like, okay, I like this? <laughs> okay, the first game would have been... Um, Okay, my, the first game I played was 1982 on ColecoVision. So, you know, my brother had a ColecoVision brought at home and uh, for Christmas, and then I was playing Smurfs, Escape from Gargamel's Castle. So, you know, I was really into the Smurfs. I collected all the, you know, the little figurines, and of course, loved, you know, Smurfette. And like, here's this game. It's like a platformer game. It's a, it's, you know, a visual spectacle for its day <laughs> in sort of early 8-bit, uh, you know, graphical consoles. And uh, that really sort of, you know, impressed me uh, both in terms of just the, the experience of it. You know, there's a bit of an irony with uh, the Smurfs, of course, it's a world where there's like a hundred blue male Smurfs and one female Smurf. And I know right. in game development, it sometimes feels a little bit like that. Um, but that would have been my, the, the first game, I guess, visual game that, that really sort of enchanted me. Uh, I'll, I'll say it like another one that I really got into was called NetHack. And NetHack was a text-based uh, RPG game. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is in the, uh, um, you know, this is in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's, it's a precursor, or sorry, it's, it's similar to some of the rogue style kind of early RPG games. And in this game, um, uh, ASCII text game, um, you could be uh, a Valkyrie, which is a you know, female warrior in the game. Of course, you could also be um, uh, you know, other, uh, other characters. And something about it was just really you know, powerful for me. You had this amulet of change that you could get. It was sort of an amulet that you could, you could find. And it had like a 90, something percent chance of being cursed, uh, but a 13% chance of 
changing your gender if you if you put this amulet on. And so it really intrigued me and really connected directly with me. And that was just one of these experiences where, you know, I could sort of explore my identity in gaming early on. A 90% chance of the, of a curse? Of being cursed, yeah, in terms of, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a, yeah, negative curse. You had to, yeah, exactly. Just like a classic it, kind of- It could be worth the risk, right? It was. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what got you interested in joining the games industry? Well, you know, um, you know for me early on, uh, I didn't think I was going to get in the, in, the, in the games industry. I actually wanted to be an art. I wanted to be an artist. Um, I, um, um, you know, my parents give me a, a lot of, you know, pressure, if you will, or, or encouragement not to do that because they, they didn't think I could I could make a living doing that. Uh, but I'd always been fascinated with uh, computers and, and and graphics, even from an early age. I had a, a Commodore 64, a friend of mine uh, from across the street would come over and we'd kind of transcribe code listings from the back of magazines, uh, you know, computer magazines. And we'd put them in here, not really knowing what was going, like, you know, not knowing the language at first. And then having these experiences come to life, and then you could manipulate them, and you could modify them, change the graphics, and so an early form of modding. And it was just really, really, really powerful. Just what you could do in terms of this sort of creation that could come from your mind, and then create this experience. Um, you know, later on, I got into um, sort of early virtual reality, you know, early computer graphics, and just this idea that you could. Um, you know, you could go into this this online kind of virtual space, and uh, and nobody knows who you are. <laughs> you, you can kind of explore who you are, and just this idea was was really enchanting to me. Uh, I actually went into engineering. Uh, you know, I went into uh, um, uh, ultimately, or sorry, initially uh, electrical engineering, and the idea that you know I would I would uh, get into uh, computers, and in there, you know, I was learning. Um, you know, I'm. This is going way back, but I learned Fortran, Fortran programming was the first programming language that I learned. And in that we had to create some, you know, CAD, you know, a CAD simulation, some early sort of line drawing and some computer graphics. And as soon as I got into computer graphics and programming, I was sort of hooked, even though I'd been doing a little bit of that earlier on. And uh, I moved into computer science and sort of focused there. Uh, I had a friend who worked in the games industry. So I was really, really lucky, really fortunate that, that I had a friend that actually worked in uh, a small game studio in, uh, in Toronto, where I grew up. And uh, uh, through that, I got an opportunity to work as an intern there. And uh, I had done some of my own work, sort of my own sort of computer graphics work. And so, so, you know, I showed an aptitude for it and interest. And then through that, you know, my sort of career kind of progressed from there. So did that allow you to, to kind of marry that, that very creative side with that very technical side and just absolutely. bring it all together. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the nature of, of games is a very creative endeavor. It's, it's ultimately you're creating an experience. It's a fun experience, but to be successful at it, it's not just, you know, engineering. Uh, it's not just art. Uh, it's not just design. It's really the confluence of these things all working together to create uh, an experience. And so this let me exercise and experience both my artistic, kind of express my artistic side, but sort of lean into my, my sort of technical um, kind of focus, which was really kind of something that I always had sort of uh, uh, luckily had this sort of competency and 
really passion towards and it was the passion that really drove me to, to focus on it and get better at it. It doesn't come, you know, naturally. Yeah. So I, I know that um, this is going to be a major shift in our discussion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, um, speaking of identity and gaming, you very publicly came out on a Twitter yeah, post. I did. Uh, and you also received a lot of support from your coworkers at Microsoft. And was that um, nerve wracking that, that how that, cause that's a, for some people it may seem big, for some people it may not be, uh, but yeah. it, it feels very inspiring to me. <laughs> so, so where, where are, how did that feel leading up to that? And how does it feel after that? Okay. So, I mean, in the moment, you know, leading up to it, it there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of terror. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I think it's sort of worth kind of pointing out that, you know, a, a huge journey had to happen before I could get to that point where I could come out. Like when, when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, uh, just the, you know, the idea of sort of coming out, just it just wasn't possible. It just wasn't, you know, in, in the cards, you know, back then. Um, so the height, there was so much homophobia, so much transphobia, there was no examples uh, positive representation, um, and the, uh, especially of trans individuals. Um, and uh, so for me, you know, a lot of that environment I grew up sort of got internalized as, 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 as fear. And right. really, it took me a long time before I could really unpack and kind of put my puzzle together. Um, you know, at the, when I came out, uh, you know, on Twitter, and I came out at work, I'd already been out. Um, you know, for, for a while with my closest friends and, right. and, uh, and with, with my family. Uh, but this was sort of the next step, right? I needed to come out at work. I kind of, you know, I couldn't really cover uh, anymore. There's, you know, the, uh, there's a huge, you know, tax and overhead in doing that. And for me, this was happening, right. like no matter what. Um, so leading up to that, I was really worried that I would, uh, you know, you know, could I still keep doing what I, I'm doing? Would, right. would you know, would I lose my job? Would would I would I you know, have constructive dismissal you know over time and just find out that, you know, everything sort of collapses. And so before that, I I was actually thinking I would quit and I would go work somewhere else. And you know, in 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 your head, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll transition, I'll come out, and and uh, and no one will know me. But you know, it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work that way, um, especially. Um, you know, when you're already established in, in your career. Exactly. And, you know, of course, I don't want to turn my back on, on my past and, and my experience and who I am. It was that person that helped me to get, get to that, that point. So I was really nervous about it. And, you know, I wrote this, uh, this, this letter uh, internally to my, to my boss and to uh, my HR sort of rep at work. And, you know, it, it was fairly long. <laughs> and I really felt that I needed to articulate to them, you know, who I was, a little bit of the journey I was on and, and you know, what this meant to me. And then also, uh, you know, to kind of educate them a little bit, give them some references and then give them some space, you know. Um, so I sent it on a Friday. I said, why don't we think about it? And we'll talk on Monday because I really didn't want to have that conversation raw with them because I didn't know how they would react. Like, yeah, I didn't know if they had any reference point for this. And, right. and I wanted to give them that as well, but also I didn't want to see their initial reaction. And, you know, 
you know, ultimately I didn't really need to do that, but that, that's how I approached it. Um, you know, almost immediately my manager came back and he was extremely supportive and, and, uh, and, and you know, really was appreciative that I would share so much myself uh, and, and, and context. And then I went through this process uh, working with them on how I would communicate it out. Um, you know, because of the role I'm in, um, you know, I'm, 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 you know, very privileged, you know, even before this to, to be in this role where I uh, have a component of what I do that's visible within Microsoft right. and Xbox and the Gears of War franchise, which I'm, I'm the, the technical director for. And so I already had this sort of Twitter presence. So there was, you know, I was really worried about how the community would react to this and also how the rest of the company. So I, I then sort of communicated this to uh, Phil Spencer and to the, the, you know, some of the head folks uh, in uh, uh, Matt Booty, Xbox Game Studios, so some of the leadership within Xbox to let them know. And uh, they were really supportive and really wanted to take it as, you know, an opportunity to support me, but also a learning, you know, learning exercise for, for them. Uh, and for others that, that might want to come out at Microsoft. You know, I, you know, it, the response was really unexpected. I mean, I, I knew and I, I'd gotten some signals from, you know, Microsoft has always had a very sort of inclusive, supportive uh, outward stance and internal stance for the LGBTQIA plus community. And I'd already seen some of those signals. And so I knew that, you know, upon reflection that Microsoft would be probably one of the best places I could could you know think of to come out at work but then to see this support was really uh was really uh amazing really emotional um so you know I said okay well you know this is how I plan on on doing this I'll communicate out to the team but I also you know need to come out on Twitter and social media all these things are connected right I yes. a lot of my a lot of my friends are you know in the industry and if I just came out on Facebook it would show up everywhere right and I'd get all sure. these these questions and and to a certain degree, you know, I didn't want to have to keep coming out over and over again, kind of every every time I I met someone and and you do you do you do have to do that ultimately, um, uh, but so I crafted this thing for 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 Twitter to come out and the the you know the 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 comms people at Xbox sort of reached out to me and said, hey, would you be okay if um, if you know Phil uh, and some others sort of you know responded to your Twitter uh, post in a supportive manner, and I was really nervous about that at first. I I, I almost felt like well maybe I should say no to that because right. am I being used as sort of a um, uh, as a, a I don't know um, virtue signaling or or right. a performative, is this performative tool right? yeah for for a corporation sort of image or is this sort of genuine and you know I I knew their responses and I knew them as individuals and. And I knew that was absolutely genuine, but I also sort of realized that this is something I'm only going to do once, at least at this scale. And there was an opportunity to really have a moment of being visible right. and uh, not, you know, selfishly because I, I want to be this sort of huge kind of visible uh, thing. But, you know, earlier when I started in the games industry, there weren't any examples of uh, kind of, you know, uh, you know, trans people in, in in games, at least ones that were out and, and, and were visible. Right. And some of that, of course, some of those individuals uh, existed uh, before me, of course, um, and, and were visible. But here was an opportunity for me to be something that I didn't see. So, so, so when that happened, 
it kind of blew up um, like more than I thought it would. Uh, there were over 4 million impressions of my Twitter post. Was that scary? <laughs> that was really scary. Um, and uh, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, when I posted it, you know, the, the, the advice, which I'm glad I took, which was to only let my followers respond to it. But, you know, uh, the other responses, of course, didn't have that. So there was, there was a lot of, you know, positive, but there was also a lot of trolls and a lot of sort right. of really negative sort of transphobia as well. But on the whole, it was very positive. Um, and uh, there were some other things that sort of happened, you know, out there sort of online, I won't get into that um, were really, really upsetting, but I really sort of tried to ignore that and sort of focused on, on the positivity. And for me, what was really, you know, unexpected was some of the response that I got in terms of individuals reaching out to me, letting me know what it meant to them. Um, other you know, trans people that weren't out or people that were out that just were really happy to see uh, to see me come out in the response I got. So, um, yeah, so, you know, that's, it's really been um, uh, wonderful. And it's, you know, obviously allows me to be who I am. Yes. And um, yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's been really great. I'd like to circle uh, back a little bit. Something you said earlier really stuck with me. You talked about the emotional price before you were able to be mm -hmm. yourself in, in your in your workplace i i had not considered that that oh. that, that there is a, a price and it's and it's daily and it's ongoing it's a really yeah it's definitely a thing right right so it's you know covering right covering who you are um uh you know pretending to be something that you're not to kind of fit in um you know, uh, someone who's trans, someone who's queer, or just so anyone really who's just not right. able to bring their full self to any space, um, you know, has this sort of tax. And for me, uh, that was like this constant, you know, cycle overhead, you know, it's almost like I have this background process that's sort of taking away cycles. And, you know, as a, a trans person, I notice every single person in the world, in the room, their gender cues, how they're responding to me. And then most importantly, you know, critically sort of, I'm always sort of self-critical of myself. Am I, you know, before I came out, am I, um, am I giving something away? Am I, you know, is there something in my nuance, how I'm talking or, or, or behaving that will help me? And, you know, as I got closer to coming out, you know, I was living, you know, as my, you know, uh, you know, as myself outside of work and having this dual life was really discombobulating, really, really, right really sort of taxing and uh, really dysphoric uh, when I'm in this sort of environment. And, you know, maybe I don't like my voice or what, what I'm saying or, or how I'm presenting. And so this, you know, I mean, you know, anxiety attacks, like all kinds of issues around, around it. And so right. this was a really kind of gotten to a point where it was just too much. And I think, you know, for anyone, uh, not just trans, you know, someone who's, um, gay or queer is not able to bring themselves there's this tax uh that they have to pay i mean women in 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 kind of a, a male environment that aren't able to kind of you know you know feel like they have to kind of check their behavior or or, or or behave a certain way that's a form as well so you know I, I for me yeah there was this huge tax and then once i came out that just evaporated. I could just be myself. It did get replaced with a little bit other of other things, other things, right? Yes. Like, am I presenting female enough? And like, am I, you know, right. how am I, you know, how am I showing up in this this situation? But that that's um that's a 
you know, that's something that is as much just myself as it is, you know, I mean, we could get into it, but, you know, just sort of the, the, the societal expectations and how I should right. show up as a woman, right? So, uh, but yes, you know, there, there is this, there is this, definitely this tax that, that you pay for covering. Did, did you notice um, a shift in how you were treated pre-transition and then after? Uh, well, yes, uh, certainly, uh, yes, yes and no. It's sort of, you know, I, um, uh, so, I mean, before I came out, um, you know, as I, you know, as I mentioned, I, I didn't internally identify, um, as male, but of course I was, I, you know, presented male and I was sort of covering and, and, you know, it took me, uh, you know, quite a journey to be able to kind of get to the point where I could, I could come out. A lot of that was environmental. A lot of that was, you know, seeing, seeing what sort of environment I'd be coming out to. Um, and so, you know, before a lot of that was sort of internal to me and to sort of how I sort of perceived things. So one was, I guess, just what we talked about, right. was sort of covering mm -hmm. that tax and, and how things were, were after, you know, I, I have to say, you know, I had and still have um, a lot of privilege. And a lot of that came from uh, the privilege that sort of, you know, it was basically bestowed on me whether I wanted it or not being perceived as, as male sort of in these, you know, in, in the industry. And, I, you know, I think it is a thing and it's something I think I should acknowledge. I, I'm not saying that my skill and my focus, my passion didn't get me to where I was, but right. um, I, I perhaps didn't have uh, some of the same um, you know, skewed kind of, um, uh, you know, challenges, uh, you know, between that, uh, between those sort of different phases of my life, I, um, you know, I came out in the same place I'd been working for the last, you know, for the previous 10 years. Right. And so a lot of people knew me, I was really worried that they, you know, wouldn't be able to get their head around this difference. Um, but once they saw me, you know, as myself, they saw how much happier I was, how much more present I was, but then could quickly see that I'm still the same person. I can still right. drop down to the lowest level and talk all the, you know, the technical things that I do and, 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 and bring all that experience to bear. Um, you know, gender kind of, you know, disappeared pretty quickly from those kind of spaces. So that was kind of interesting. Some, um, there were some slip ups. I mean, I'd say on the whole, I was really impressed. Everyone just sort of that I knew sort of turned pretty quickly on a dime, used my proper, used my name and, 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 and pronouns and, and, and whatnot. There were some mistakes that were made, but they weren't, they weren't um, with malintent, right? They weren't deliberate and, and that changed pretty quick. Um, one thing I, I would say is um, when I meet people that didn't know me before, and sometimes when I'm in, 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 in spaces, uh, sort of in a, in a work setting, I find that the conversation can be a little bit different if they don't know me, they don't know my background, they don't know kind of my experience right. and they come in, you know, this is not universal, but there have been some cases where I can kind of feel like they have certain sort of biased expectations on, on how that conversation should go or what I bring, especially if I'm in a group setting where there's some, some, uh, there's some men and there, there's some women and they might sort of defer to the men or, or um or be a little bit sort of like taken aback when I when I start to kind of you know 
kind of speak and contribute to the conversation. And so what I found if I if I'm in those situations and I give kind of a, a kind of a quick almost like an elevator pitch of like so this is me this is my background this is my rule this is sort of the some of the things that I've done and this is where I'm coming from coming into this conversation then it just sort of level sets the the conversation right from the the get go and uh, and I you know I don't feel like I'm out of position so I I'd say that has not been um, you know the, the the sort of the the common experience, but I've had experienced that enough that where I've never experienced that before, to indicate that you know this is this is probably something that is, you know, I would imagine, um, uh, you know, a lot of women face where they they you know they they feel, um, perhaps in certain spaces that they they have to prove something, whereas right. whereas whereas, uh, you know, someone who's uh, a man in that space, it's sort of assumed. Um, yes. And so I think there was a little bit of that, um, you know, once again, because of my level and my role, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely sort of a rare occurrence, but that is something that I, I did pick up on. Yeah. One, one thing I always imagine, uh, just from an outsider's perspective, is that the games industry is heavily do dominated by men. So mm -hmm. when, when, when I read about you and I thought, and then, and then she transitioned and then so it's men and then it's Kate. So I'm just, so I'm, I'm trying, I'm imagining you just fighting off a large wall of men. It's like holding a flood, just, just because, because I'm dramatic. And yes. so, but, but do you yeah. think that your lived experience, your, your life, because you said you, you, you did, you did not identify with how you were presenting in your workplace, mm -hmm. but did that make you more, um, in tune or more aware of, of misogyny or other, other things like that within your workplace? Well, not necessarily that, yeah, it, that it happened, but just yeah, in yeah. society. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's sometimes, um, you know, people might say, oh, well, you know, you, you, you came out really late. So you were a socialized male and you, you had the male experience. It's like, no, I had the trans experience. So, right. you know, imagine. And, and it was always the trans experience. <laughs> it was always the trans experience. Right. Yeah. So you imagine take a, take a, you know, a, uh, you know, a cis woman and put her in a male body and put her in male spaces. You can, you know, that can be pretty traumatic. So um, I would say this. Uh, yes, I'm always been very aware of sort of gender differences. And so, um, you know, I'd always sort of felt that I couldn't bring myself to those those sort of spaces um, before I came out. Um, certainly in, you know, um, work-related focused conversations, but when it came to personal stuff, I never talked about me. Um, now I'm fine. I'm happy to talk about <laughs> anything. Uh, I'd say that, um, yes, I you know, kind of could pick up on these things and, and, and was certainly aware of them. And, um, you know, I've been working in the games industry for, you know, 20, over 25 years. So if I like go back to the nineties, like, you know, I know where a lot of the bodies are buried and I know a lot of the, <laughs> the skeletons and, you know, some of those stories that right. you hear are absolutely real. Um, but, you know, the industry has also come a long, long way. So I'd say, um, you know, I've always, like to think that I was, um, um, you know, an, a, an advocate for an inclusive space where everyone can kind of, you know, um, uh, participate and speak and be represented. And then if I saw something that was uh, non-inclusive or inappropriate, I would call it out. 
um, as I got sort of farther in my career and moved more into sort of leadership roles and then also became, you know, put more of my puzzle together, um, I became more and more acutely aware of these things. And, um, and so um, I think, you know, that experience has, you know, allowed me to know just how important it is to have sort of an, an inclusive environment because it's that environment right. that, uh, that allowed me to feel more comfortable coming out. And so whether this would be um, for, you know, any, uh, you know, all genders or, um, or um, you know, orientations, um, you know, the more inclusive, the more diverse, the more sort of, you know, free spaces for people to be themselves, the more it sort of signals to people that they can be themselves and that they, they can come out. So, um, so I think I, I'm, did I, I'm not sure if I fully answered no, you, your question. No, you did. Because yeah. yeah. it's clear that you, I, I, I like that you advocate for diversity and inclusion and change. And I, I like, this is a two-part question. So what successes are you most proud of in, in your effort to champion change? And also, where are you still pushing? Um, well, so I would say, um, you know, I've had like a lot of opportunities that have, that have come my way since I came out. I think, you know, uh, I think just leaning into being myself and saying yes to more opportunities where I can be, uh, Part of the conversation, and I, I can uh, be, uh, you know, visible. I think helps, and just because of the feedback that I've gotten, that 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 you know is is, um, you know, if you can see it, you can be it kind kind of thing. So so I think that's that's one aspect. I'd say the other is that being in a leadership role uh, in my studio and within Microsoft, um, you know, I have access to certain rooms and spaces that others don't, and so when I'm there. I can be part of the conversations that happen and bring a perspective. And so I've been, you know, not shy about sharing that perspective and trying to bring it to that conversation. And I feel, you know, I did that before I came out as well, but, you know, I really, you know, feel like I have more permission, <laughs> if you will, to speak to something that, you know, I'm clearly uh, can identify versus, versus where before I felt like maybe I was speaking on someone else's behalf, which I, you know, is not really what I wanted to to be perceived as doing. Um, and so, in you know, in our uh, leadership role, you know, that we're I'm really, you know, we're really lucky at the studio I'm at that our leadership team is is um, uh, you know 50% uh, male and female. Um, That's awesome. And yeah, it is. It is. In fact, I think we just tipped the scale on the on the female side because we just had a new chief of staff join us. On, um, uh, is a woman. So, um, but, you know, we are having, you know, more nuanced conversations about our values and our culture. And, and uh, it's not that those conversations didn't happen before, but, you know, they're a bit more informed by kind of diverse perspectives versus, you know, Definitely. everyone in the room being, you know, mirrors of, of each other. Uh, so I think that's valuable. Um, when, when the voice comes from with, within, it's a different conversation. Yes, I think it's so important uh, to see more diverse representation in leadership roles and decision-making roles. Um, I, you know, a few other things, of course, I joined the board of uh, WIGI. And so that, you know, as a group that's doing so much good as, um, you know, uplifting uh, women in gaming, providing opportunities, mentorship programs, and, 
uh, I certainly can't take credit for, for, for all of that. There's so much effort that goes into what they do. Uh, you know, you know, on my side, I've, um, you know, I've had opportunities like to come on in this podcast, but also to, you know, get involved in the, you know, the charitable kind of programs with the Microsoft sort of matching program and, and uh, with, with, uh, with Wiggy and other charities. Um, this month is Pride Month, and I was given the opportunity to speak and be kind of a bit of a spokesperson for Microsoft for um, our Pride campaign and the things that we're doing there. And there's a lot to that. Uh, um, I think some of the things that I'm most proud of is the charitable contribution, contributions that Microsoft's done uh, you know, over the, over the year. And like, yes, they, they do a number of things in this regard. They had you know, over $8 million that they donated to um, LGBTQI plus sort of organizations and charities. And for, for Pride Month, there was 170,000 US dollars for a number of um, organizations that are really focused on uh, LGBTQI human rights and centering transgender rights, which are, you know is, is, is really under attack yes. right now in, in a lot of places, the States, the UK. I mean, it's, it's, um, there has been lots and lots of progress over decades, but also it feels sometimes like things are going backwards. So that, uh, that's something I'm really proud to have been able to be part of and be kind of bring my, my voice to. Um, I was on G I was on a panel with GDC, uh, inclusive leadership. Um, that was also a highlight for me. Um, you know, it was just really great to be on this sort of stage with all these really impressive, uh, you know, women in, in gaming sort of, you know, industry luminaries with, um, you know, uh, individuals like Bonnie Ross, who's the, the GM for the Halo franchise, Shannon Loftus, the age franchise. Helen Chung with the Minecraft franchise, and then here I am, um, and uh, feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome being there, but being able to kind of speak to inclusive leadership, and I think that was that was really a highlight for me this year. That's awesome. That I I love that. I love that. I love that you're active. I love that you recognize that you have a platform and you use that because it's one thing to have it; it's another thing to put it in action. So I have a question that's a bit different from where we've been, where we've been going so far. So if you could write a love letter to your 12-year-old self, what would it say? Um, huh, I, you know, I would say, um, you know, the things about you that you know are different, uh, the things that you're, you know, afraid of, you're afraid for people to see, um, you know, those are the things that are most precious and most real about you. Those are the things that um, you should uh, not run away from, but run to. Um, don't be afraid to, you know, to show who you are and to, you know, explore who you are and to love yourself, love that part of you. Um, I mean, I'd also say if I could actually literally write a letter going back to myself, I'd say, hi, I'm Kate, I'm you, um, you know, you're, you, you know, um, you, this is, this is what your future looks like and, 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 you know, uh, and that things are going to be okay. Um, you know, I've, you know, knowing, knowing me, I'd probably hear, here's some references, go read up on this and that, but, um, you know, I think most you, you would give yourself homework. <laughs> I definitely would. I definitely would. I, I think really the, the main thing I, I would say is that um, 
even though you don't see, you know, examples, uh, you know, out there um, that reflect who you are, that you're still trying to figure out things and you're getting all this sort of negative reinforcement uh, that you should not, you know, be other than this sort of, you know, fit in this box that, 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 that everyone wants you to be in. Um, I would say like, you know, <laughs> knowing myself, um, you know, I know that you have this really high internal bar and you're really self-critical in yourself and you, you really have a lot to prove, you, you know, you feel like you have a lot to prove to everyone. And for me, that a lot of that was how I dealt with my own insecurity was just like, how can I, how can I make everyone like me? And how can I, how can I really, you know, be successful? And I was really driven, but don't be so critical of yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself and, and really, you know, love yourself. And that would be the message. What's one piece of advice that you can share with our community today? Um, I would say, you know, really one piece of advice. I mean, I, I, it's hard to give one piece of advice. I mean, one I would say is, you know, you know, you know, be yourself, you know, and, and, and really bring your, your full self and be unapologetic about it. Um, you're by being visible and by, and by uh, uh, doing that, not only do you bring more of yourself and more value to what you do, but you also have this huge impact on others, uh, letting them see that they, they, they can be themselves. Um, and there's sort of this sort of, you know, uh, network effect when you do that. Um, I'd also say, to really, you know, be, in, you know, um, uh, to really listen and be, you know, uh, uh, aware and empathetic and, and recognize the people around you that have different perspectives and different experiences can not only add to your own knowledge and awareness of the world, but can make um, you know, uh, everything better, they can make your products better, they can make your team more inclusive, to seek those other perspectives out and bring them into the conversation, to lift them up and grow them and mentor them and sponsor them to, to, to really um, to, to, you know, foster this sort of diverse uh, culture. So even if you find that you're in the majority, so to speak, you know, there's a lot that you can do to help um, you know, uplift those around you and also to learn from that. You know, it's more than just being um, the right thing to do. You will be enriched from the experience. Circling back to what we were talking about with identity in gaming. And yes. I, I did not put two and two together always um, because some people said that they couldn't be themselves unless they were an avatar. Yeah. They, because in Avatar, you can choose your skin, you could choose your complexion, yeah. you could choose your, your gender or, or not. You could, you could really play with that and, and explore in those ways. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are more ways that we can create, we can create these spaces where people yeah. can, can play more? I think it's really, you know, there's two aspects to it. One is sort of narrative-based games where there are sort of specific characters with a storyline and a background. I think, you know, some of that is having more, you know, clearly having more diverse characters in the, in these 
in these games. And that, can, you know, that, that means a lot of things, right? It can be ethnic, it can mean ethnicity, it can mean gender, it can mean um, um, uh, so many different things. But then to really work with the diverse people on your team and in helping to develop those characters and make sure that um, that anything that's being brought out is authentic and is is you know it, you know uses the perspectives of those people and if not seek them out outside your team and bring them into the conversation so that you have more you know characters that people can see you know reflective of them because you know historically uh, you know, as you know, games were like largely targeted, you know, uh, uh, a heteronormative kind of white white males, and yes. and we're seeing we've been seeing obviously a lot more um, uh, over, you know, the last you know 10, 15 years, and 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 more now in terms of gender representation and and queer representation too in in games, but um, it's disproportionate, I would say, to the actual yeah. playing playing audience that, that are that is out there um, when it comes to any game with any kind of online community, I, you know, I think it's really important to be able to put yourself in the game, right? I, I, I've always, you know, wanted to be able to, to, to do that in any game where uh, I can, you know, has a sort of create a character type feature. Uh, I think, you know, any game that's doing that now needs to really think about kind of what they're doing, um, not just obviously you know one gender but also not just like the binary either right? right so yeah so like being able to have you know acknowledge that there's a spectrum and you can kind of mix and match these things they shouldn't they shouldn't filter things out like oh if you choose right. uh, if it, you choose it's so rigid it's so rigid where if you if you pick this kind of character now you only have the, these kind of clothes and effect but i want i want this character but i want those clothes and i want For sure this, this and it's so it's so rigid and it's it can be very frustrating in that, in that way. Super, super frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you, you should, you know, ideally you should be able to, um, uh, you know, choose your, uh, your, your, you know, there's some games that say, okay, well, we're not going to say what your gender is. You won't, there won't be pronouns, but, but I, I think it's a bit of a cop out. I, I would like to be able to kind of put my pronouns in there. And then, you know, what is the voice of that character? Is it a, is it a, a male bodied voice or a traditional female voice? Is it androgynous? Can those things be orthogonal? Like, you know, if I choose the male body, does that mean I get like the, the deep baritone voice or, or, or not, right? So right. I, think it's, I think it's really important to be able to put this sort of diversity, uh, you know, in the game uh, so that you can really identify with your character. I would say, you know, one other thing I, I think is really important is really just about online spaces in general. And really games, you know, there's a lot of toxicity in online spaces, Absolutely. Yes. whether that be, you know, the chat that happens or the responses and the things that happen, uh, you know, in the game and, you know, having a code of conduct, having advocates within your, in, in those communities, but also really, you know, addressing uh, you know, issues. There's a lot that can be done on the engineering side. There's never enough that can be done, though. Uh, so really just having, realizing that any online space is is a social, you know, is a community and has these sort of social challenges and really sort of taking them on head on with your community team and with your, uh, you know, to try and uh, have safe spaces where players feel like they can bring themselves to that game is, is really important and something Definitely. that needs to continue to be focused on. Play, play is a fundamental right, and, and it's yeah. something that's important for 
our development as humans. So there should be definitely be a lot of effort to yeah. craft these spaces where we feel seen and we feel heard. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get so excited when I see different things happening in the gaming industry, but I also get so disheartened because you play certain games and you, and I'm thinking, you mean to tell me that I can fight a dragon, but I can't put a skirt on him. You know, like I can't. <laughs> So why, why, where's the balance here? Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I believe that, um, especially spaces like this, this podcast, and also uh, people like you just taking a moment and saying, this is what I would like to see. This is what I like. And, mm-hmm. and I'm also someone who's accessible and I'm real and I'm flesh and blood and I hurt and I grow. I think those are the things that really drive change in the industry. So I, I, I really, I'm really grateful that you took a moment to speak, to speak up and speak out and thank, definitely speak to me. And I would like to know uh, what's, what's next for you? What's, what's going on? Uh, is there a project that's, that you'd like to talk about right now? Mm, you know, <laughs> I can't talk about all the things that I work on because right. some of them are, are on an Anson top secret, but lots of cool things going on. Uh, sort of internally at work. Um, and, you know, there were some things that, that were sort of visible recently. I was involved with the, the Matrix Awakens experience, which was an Unreal 5 sort of recreation of the, the Matrix kind of world that um, our team worked on in cl- collaboration with Epic. And you can download it. It's free on, um, uh, you know, Xbox and PlayStation. And um, that was really cool because I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Wachowski sisters. And so to be able to kind of work in their world and, 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 and do that was really a highlight. Uh, so a lot of the technology work we've done there sort of carries on to our future projects. There's always a lot going on across you know, Xbox Game Studio. So I'm plugged into a few things there, but you're just gonna have to wait and see what happens next. <laughs> I promise, I'll be patient. <laughs> where, where can people find you on social media? Uh, so, um, I'm on Twitter, um, Kate uh, underscore J Rayner. Uh, so I think you know, find me there. It's probably the probably the best place. And uh, uh, yeah. Okay, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. If there are any questions, that would be a great time to oh. to um, ask for our, our live audience. <laughs> if if not, um, I I would lo- love to thank you for. Uh, for being on this show with me. Um, is Are there any closing thoughts about identity and gaming that you would like to leave our audience with? So, you can still hear me. Okay, so I would say that you know, diverse, authentic representation in gaming is so important, not only for the individuals that don't see themselves reflected, or maybe in environments where, you know, there are the people around them or the governments around them are telling them they shouldn't exist, uh, but also it provides a different perspective other than what you might see in pop culture and media that can really, you know, humanize um, LGBTQ people, really humanize people that are different from you and give you that perspective and really helps uh, kind of everyone sort of, you know, become more uh, empathetic and more uh, just aware that while we all are unique and we all are uh, have our differences, we're really all just human and we're really, we're really all, um, you know, worthy of that 
that that space together. So I think that's important both for gamers, but also for those that make games in terms of how they think about representation. Well said. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode episode of Cheat Codes from Women in Games all International. Right. I'm your host, Tosh, also known as Carnival Jedi on all platforms. And if you want to know more about Women in Games International, you can find us at getwiggy.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter. And you can also find us on all platforms at getwiggy. That's Get W-I-G-I, even streaming on Twitch. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you to our audience. Thank you to Wiggy. Have a great night. All right, bye. Bye.